Son. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Final football Friday of the season. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, and we welcome you as we return to local programming for the next couple of hours. We appreciate you spending some time with Trent and myself. BMW guest list uh, looks like this here today. The Friday before the Super Bowl. I've done it for years, right or wrong. Going to continue uh, down that road. We take a look. We hear from... Uh, uh, some of the voices that helped us out during the season, and you get to hear about your team if you follow one of the regional teams one more time for a few minutes as they head into the off season and uh, get our voices prediction on what they will they expect to see unfold on Sunday. So we'll start things off with Dave Sinekin, the headcheese.com covers the Packers, Jeff Hughes on to Bears at 10:30, and Dane Muzatani, who writes for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, covers the Vikings. He'll slide in at 10:40 in the. 11 o'clock hour, Cyclones and Hawkeyes and Barbecue dominate that hour. Uh, we'll, ta- we'll start with Dave Sproul as Iowa State uh, gets set to head to uh, to Norman to take on uh, the Sooners, who are having a pretty good run of it, and they get their leading score back by all accounts. Austin Reeves, who's been out for the last couple of games, apparently is going to be out of the COVID protocol in time to face the Cyclones tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Tom Cakert on the Hawkeyes. We'll get back into the Hawks. I'm assuming we'll start with Iowa in the next couple of minutes, but we'll hear more from Tom Cakert at 11.25. Indiana, the Hawks go to Blooming for an 11 o'clock tip-off on Sunday. Claxton's Barbecue giveaway at 11.45 and then a couple of picks from Trent and I before we call it a weekend. How are you? Oh, been better. The the over was a gift. (laughs) That was. That thing coasted home, didn't it? It really did. I mean, that thing was... um, You you, you didn't have to sweat that one out at all. No, sniff that one out early, but... It's time to be real with this Iowa basketball team. I think it is too, Trent, and it was it was alarming and eye-opening last night that um perhaps like many we um overrated this team a little bit mm-hmm. because and here's the thing. Um uh, I mean look at the rest of their schedule. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. with the with the exception of Nebraska which just still hasn't been rescheduled and maybe mm-hmm. Penn State a lot of breathers. Anyways, let's go back to last night. I know you've got some opinions on this. I saw you tweet that you couldn't wait to get into work to share those opinions. So, floor is all yours. Well, and another one last night where I was calling high school basketball. So, I had it on, but wasn't really watching, but knew the outcome. So, I get there, and I knew how it was going to unfold. I knew what was going to happen. And maybe that reason for it pissed me off even more. I mean, really watching this team, just how awful they are on the defensive yeah. end. It's not about just lack of athleticism. There are plenty of guys that aren't athletic that can get by as at least an adequate defender. It looks like they don't have a clue. And we go back to the comments we heard two winners ago from Mike Gazelle, former player and part of the best defensive teams of the Fran McCaffrey era. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really work on it. We didn't really practice it. <laughs> and that shows up time in and time out. These are simple execution errors that this team continually makes. And it's not just one guy. It's not two guys. It is, as a whole, this team and really the group of starters that make junior high fundamental mistakes on the defensive end. This is the best that they can come up with. All right, so you're not good enough to play man. Okay, 
then come up with something better than this garbage they continue to try out there on that side. And if it's not working, you got to push other buttons. And Fran last night, you know I love Fran. You know I believe in Fran McCaffrey and what he's done with this program. He had a bad night last night. Yeah, where were the guys that uh, that helped him uh, against Michigan State? I'm talking about a Perkins or Eulis mm-hmm. who had his moments at the end of the first half. Uh, Toussaint, I think he needs to play. How many minutes did he in? That's all he played was six and a half minutes last night? Didn't get off the bench in the second half until the final That minute. That's ridiculous. I mean, it- he played 21 minutes on Tuesday night. 21. And he won. Yes. 21 minutes. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey uh, was good. I mean, he, uh, most of his points were uh, via the dunk. Jack Nungy was terrific. Um, you know, a couple of times he got lost defensively, and then he fell on the floor when he's bringing the ball up, and, you know, he got crossed up a little bit. Uh, but Garza, they are packing around him. They There's no way in hell that anybody, any team, uh, is going to, well, you got to run out guard Connor McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, because most times he's going to miss. He made one shot last night, and he missed a bunch of them. Um what else? Keegan Murray didn't have his best game last night. Still did some things. He but did. yeah, offensively, it was not his best game. But offense isn't the problem. Offense no. wasn't the problem. No. You're up 11, you're cruising, and then they go and on the And then the, the blink of an eye, Trent, they're down. They were up 11 and they went down five or seven? Yeah, it, it happened very quickly. Oh, it was ridiculous. About uh, six minutes into the. Garza hit. If, if, and I'm going off memory here. Mm-hmm. Garza hits, I want to say, three. And it was like 64-50? No, 60. 62-50. See, there you go. I think. It sounds about right. And then Arns, who just, and, and Washington. <laughs> Did I tell you? I mean, well, Arns, is, that's been the story of his career against the Hawks. Yes. They came down and bing, one after another. What was your second motion? Bing, boom. Um, <laughs> right. One after another, three. And unguarded. And the other part that led to the run is during the possessions that Iowa had the basketball. They're not good. They were chucking. Yep. And this is another issue with this team. As good as and efficient as they are offensively, and they are elite, but they have these stretches. Mm-hmm. And when you're as bad as you are defensively, now at Kempom, up to 127th in the country. Bartorvik, another website I've been talking about too, another analytical website, 158th in mm. defense. This is bad for any major conference team to be at that level. Yeah, if you're if you're 158th, you're going to have to score a lot. Yes. To overcome that deficiency on And they the scored 85 last floor. night. I know they That's did. That's a game at home you absolutely should win. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the schedule. And this was going back to the loss to Indiana. This loss here. Yes, Ohio State's good. Good team. They're good. Yeah. Good team. I'm, Not great. I'm with you. And there's a lot of good teams. Honestly, Iowa is in a group of 30 teams. That's probably those teams that are, you know what, I can see them losing in the first mm-hmm. round. Or with the I'm, right draw, yeah. they Getting can make the a run. Getting into the second weekend. Yeah. Uh, Trent, I looked at the schedule going, and, and the, well, let's assume that Nebraska, they do find a way. The guy was got a week where they play Sunday and then don't play again until Sunday. Yeah, so, the, between the Penn State and the Ohio State right. rematch. I, I would have to think that that's where the Nebraska game is. It's, it's one, one of those days it's going to show up there. Mm-hmm. Look, this is a team that's trending to twelve and eight in conference play, eleven and nine in conference play. It's not easy down the stretch. Look, the Big Ten's tough, but because of this, the fact that this team just refuses to—I don't know—is it is it a lack of effort or is it a lack of between the ears? They just don't know what to do yes. defensively. Yes, uh, both of them. <laughs> it's okay, both of them. Yeah, All it, right. there isn't one thing that you can put on. Is it for Bohannon? 
doesn't have great lateral quickness. He's that strong. He's not a great defender. Right. And I saw him, I think, three times last night when Ohio State would make a shot. One of them was a bank three. I think yeah. it was Washington. He just kind of, oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, kind of raises, puts his palm to the sky. He did that three times. Like, oh, God, they did it again type yeah. of thing. Well, you know what? They're doing it. You know, we saw a lot a couple years back where they went to that half-court trap and then they dropped back into a 1-3-1. Have we seen that at all this year? I thought we saw that the other night late in the basketball. Was it late? Game. Okay. But I know what you're but referring not often. to. No. And it's not a button. Isn't that a button you push a little bit more? Got, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, you have to do something. Yes. I want to see. You know who impressed me last night? Uh, this kid, Zed Key. Yes. That's a big he's body. He's going to be a dude, isn't he? He gave Luca trouble. He did. And he's a freshman. He gave Luca trouble. And uh, Mishi Johnson, mm-hmm. who was in high school in November, um, he he hit a couple of big threes in that basketball game. Lydell was it wasn't great. Suing was good, as you mentioned. Orange just kills Iowa, and Washington got his points last night. I still think that this is a team that I was better than. But if yeah. they're not going to guard you, Ohio State can score, and we knew that going into the game, and they did last night again. I don't know what to think, Trent. I think that. You know what we're setting ourselves up for? And this is going to be painful if it happens this way. Because the expectations, and everybody allowed to the expectations to be through the roof for this team, right? Haven't won a Big Ten championship in decades. This is going to be the year. Player of the year. You've got the wooden favorite, a guy who's going to run away with it. you got senior leadership coming back. You've got guys that are going to take this team to places that in some people's lifetime they've never a lot of people's lifetime mm-hmm. they've never seen before. And if it does finish the way that it's trending, look out. Look out. If this thing goes about where the path they're heading, they're 19-8. and eight. 13 and 7, they finished. 12 and 8? 12. They're finished, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth in the Big Ten. That's disappointing. But they get to a Sweet 16 for the first time in two decades. Uh, they're that, a five that seed. That, yeah. They beat a four in the second round, and they get there, and they get their shot against yeah. Baylor, you know, in the Sweet 16. Right. And they lose, and they harp kind of like the last Sweet 16 appearance against UConn, who mm-hmm. went to win the national championship. Game of run, just fell short. Mm-hmm. That happens. How much does that change? Oh, and, lots. And, and I think that's so unfortunate. That just one game, that round of 32 game, yeah, that's well, a coin flip, yeah. very well could could give Fran another four or five years. I mean, it's... Well, I'm not, I wasn't even thinking like that. Because if it doesn't happen this year, if they fall short, yeah. they're just another, all right, win your first game in the NCAA tournament, get clubbed in the second round, same old, same old yeah, Iowa but basketball. But they're be forced to play those guys with the guys that are moving on. I'm anxious to see these young kids. I'm anxious to see you listen. I, I get it. Garza's walking out the door. Yes. And there goes the Wooden Award winner. And what's going to happen with Wieskamp? You know, because as we heard uh, Billis last night, he's an NBA player. Yes, he does. And look, at, he played really well last night. Wieskamp had a nice game last night. One of the few that you can point to. Nanji was good. Wieskamp was good. Uh, obviously, Toussaint didn't play enough. Patrick McCaffrey was determined to get to the basket. There was nothing going to stop him on a couple of uh, his dunks last night. Um, Keegan Murray was misstruggled. Maybe not the look. Maybe our expectations are so much for this kid now right. that we come to expect night in and night out that this freshman's going to do something. And for the most part, he has. You can't be critical of Keegan. This year, and I'm not going to be. Uh, Bohannon made some threes earlier. He made his free throws. He, on the offensive end of the floor, again last night, he was everything you need him to be. But defensively, they just they're standing around. It's it's, it's tough to watch. They are what they are. 
They're an incredibly talented offensive team. They're bad defensively. And you're going to get what you're going to get. If you get a good matchup, if you have a hot shooting night or a couple in a row, you're going to get to the second weekend. Mm-hmm. If not, it's over. Mm-hmm. And that's what this team is, and that's okay. Because if you watch Lick Lighter basketball... Oh, God, it was awful. This is a lot better So let's than that. do this real quick. We'll, we'll get to your phone calls coming up here. We don't have a lot of time for but we're going to get them both in. Um, WNL this uh, r- real quick with me. All right. Uh, well, Nebraska's not scheduled, but that's a win, right? Yes. All yeah. right. Uh, then this Sunday at Indiana. Win. Do you have to? Rutgers at home. Win. So 3-0. and uh, At East Lansing. Loss. 3-1. and uh, In Madison. Loss. 3-2. and Home to Penn State. Win. 4-2. and Back to Bucky. Columbus you go. L. 4-3. and uh, At Michigan. Win. Okay. It's going to be a worn down Wolverine team. Five and finally three. Get and host Wisconsin. Oh, loss again. Five they, and they four. They get swept by the Badgers. So, you're, so you have them at 12 and eight. 12 and eight. And that's where I have them too. That would be a disappointment yes. from where we were. No question. I didn't think this team was going to be 18 and two. I never See, thought I, that. See, I foolishly did. I thought 17 and three wasn't crazy. I did. I thought best case scenario was 16 and four. I was more in the 14, 15 range. But 12, that's still a couple yeah. short of that. No, I'm with you. Let's clear out the phones, and we're going to get to the NFL. If you want to talk to Hawks, now is your time to do so. Got a window in here. We're going to go around the uh, NFL. We'll be back to the Hawkeyes at 1125 uh, with Tom Caker. Jeff, thanks for being patient. Uh, you, sir, can lead things off. What's on your mind, Jeff? Are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Hey, you know, I'm not here to say that I told you so. I've been on the, you know, I've been on the yeah, you did. the last couple of weeks. Yep. Here's the deal. Yes, they're not just standing, but they can't play man because they can't defend the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They can't play zone because none of them want to move after three rotations. Mm-hmm. So, and they can't, they can't run their trap consistently because they can't get back in transition. So, you know, I don't know, like you guys said, if they're not practicing, if they're not buying in. But like I said before, if you are not bought in by February 5th, there's nothing that's going to change. So even if they have a great shooting night, which they did and lost, mm-hmm. they could have a great shooting night the first game yes, in the tournament and lose. Yeah. And, so with, and here's one thing about Garza. Yes, Garza got 16, 17 with some rebounds. They need more. They need. I mean, they had four players that had more than 16 points, and they lost. Yeah. And Garza had 16, 17. Garza needs to get 30. And I know I'm asking a lot, but when was the last game Garza had, I don't know, 30 and 16, like he had four or five, six times last year? They need more out of him. Yeah, I, have, I think it was Christmas night. He had 32 and 17. So that was okay. the end. He did have 33. Minnesota, he's played well against Minnesota and Liam Robbins. 32 and 33 both nights. But um, yeah, I'm with you. 16, 16 isn't enough. No. And they're collapsing yeah, around him. And I don't want to talk about the Fran fade, but here's the here's the deal. You guys went over, you know, the schedule. They could lose Sunday, seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I can't, I can't chalk. I mean, that's going to be probably, I don't know, a three, four point line. Mm-hmm. That's an easy L. And then we've seen what they did at home. So I don't know where they go from here. Like, you want to play their bench? You guys run up their bench. Their bench can't score. So. You know. Now they did the other has, night though. They did. They did against Michigan State. They put they had thirty nine. Well, did they, they not? They. But they left their they left that rotation in for I don't know seven eight minutes and then it got stale. So I don't know what I don't know what coach is doing with his rotations. He plays them, you know, that long stretch against Michigan State, and then they doesn't play you know Joe at all in yeah. the second half. Yeah. So I'm not understanding his rotations at all. But you know, time will tell. But I'll say this: 
give me the Chiefs. And give me the over. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you, Jeff. I'm with you on both counts. Uh, Mike is next. Mike, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Mike? Yep, go ahead, Mike. Um, hey, I was wondering, just thinking this morning, when's the last time a college basketball team has had the player of the year may not win their and may not win their conference and may finish in the middle of the pack? I'm, I'm just thinking about the McDermott's of the world and all that. Even last year with Topping, uh, their team won the conference. I just can't think of a team That's that a good point. Won, uh, had a player of the year and, and didn't win their conference at least. I'm yeah. not talking about moving on to the NCAA, but right. I just no. thought that might be, if anybody knows the answer to that, that's that's tough to find one. Yeah, the, uh, thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, that's a trivia question. That's a stumper. I think Buddy Heald, did Oklahoma win it that year? Well, I would say Kansas probably did. If yeah, I had to guess. right. And it, did they get a tie that season? So that's, But he brings up a fair yeah, point. Yeah. Even They're going to finish in the middle of the pack, Trent. They are. They're going to be fifth, sixth, seventh place. Mm-hmm. Top four finish and that double bye, I think we're trending away from that. That's crazy to think about now, it's that. There's going to be so many teams that are all clobbered uh-huh. together. It very well could come down to that final well, weekend. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, for, I don't think Michigan's going to get through. Michigan's when they get back on the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're one loss basketball team. No. I don't think they're head and shoulders better than anybody in the Big Ten. I, I don't. And how many games they're going to have to put That's just here it. at the schedule? Even if they're going to get them to. 18 or 19 yeah. games that take 20 off the table. Mm-hmm. That's going to be incredibly Look, difficult. Look, this is a tough conference as we, yeah. as we've known. In the middle of this conference with Wisconsin, with Ohio State, um with Indiana, with Illinois, Maryland um, on the road sometimes. Maryland on the road. Look, Minnesota can jump up and beat you more so when they're at home. Look at what Penn State did last weekend in Wisconsin. I know it. Everybody um, outside of Nebraska you yeah, have to be scare. concerned with, yeah. Right. Even Michigan State still got dudes, and it's still got Izzo. Uh-huh. They're not good, but that's the 13th place team in your conference. Look, look go back to Tuesday night. That was mm-hmm. edge of your seat for a while there. We'll take a timeout, then we're going to get into the NFL. We'll do that. We'll get back to the Hawkeyes at 11.25, Iowa State at 11.05 with Dave Sproul. Right now it's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword GAME to 200-200 right now. Your chance at $1,000. GAME to 200-200. <laughs> Confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Packers, Bears, and Vikings in that order. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and And now on 106.3 FM, this is KX and Miller Condon, welcome back. 1025 on a Friday as we take you up until noon. Uh, we'll get back to the Hawkeyes at 1125 with Tom Caker. We'll do Iowa State at 1105. Let's do some NFL right now. We're going to do Packers, Bears, and Vikings in that order. Dave Sinekin, uh helps us out with the Packers uh, for years, uh, this year being no different. He's also an Indiana grad. Uh, what a good Sunday would have been if it would have been Indiana and Iowa, followed by the Packers uh, taking on the Chiefs. Yeah. But it wasn't to be, was it, Dave Sinekin? How are you? I'm uh, good. No, it's... Uh... It's still pretty painful to think there's going to be a football game on Sunday and my favorite team's not going to be in it. That pretty much uh, unplugged since the NFC title game. And I'll probably turn the TV on about 5.30, <laughs> make sure I catch no pregame and just 
kind of watch it passively. Yeah, well, 13-3 and in an appearance in the NFC Championship game this year, likewise last year's. Uh, I, the big story right after the Super, or the, uh, the NFC Championship, obviously, was Aaron Rodgers and what he said. I, I was, it was good to see that very quickly um, all parties made that clear <laughs> that the number 12 is going to be back uh, at Lambeau Field and under center where he belongs next year at least. Yeah, I took very little from what Rogers said, you know, to heart. I think uh, what he basically spoke to was some frustration that, you know, he felt this was the, the team to get past that last barrier. And when they came up short, he said, look, you know, every year is different and there's going to be changes and nobody knows what their future holds, including me. And everybody took that and ran with it. He knew what he was saying. He was, you know, digging at Gutekunst, saying, well, you took a quarterback, so obviously you've got a master plan that I'm not totally privy to. But, um, yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be the quarterback for Green Bay, I, I would say, for at least two more seasons. And uh, whether Jordan Love ever plays for Green Bay is a subject we can debate about mm. later. But uh, I would say it's no... No greater than 50-50 either way at this point. Well, one of the also frustrations I know for Rodgers has been the weapons on the outside. Alan Lazard has developed into a nice weapon, but maybe more of a three as opposed to a two. Same thing with with uh, Scantling. Guy that can get up the field, but not a guy production-wise you look there. It's a great free agent wide receiver market. Do you think they're going to finally tap in there? Well, I'll take a bit of an issue with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think he really asserted himself in the postseason. Had a great game against Tampa Bay, and he's kind of following, I'm not going to say the arc of Devontae Adams, but after year three of Devontae Adams, people were wondering whether he still had a future in Green Bay, too. So mm. I'm not quite ready to cut bait. Um, I think they will end up finding somebody because it's going to be a weird year at free agency. If the cap is, is lowered as much as many people think, a lot of uh, people are going to have less money to spend than they think. And uh, for a wide receiver to know that they have a chance to join this offense, I could see it being appealing, but Green Bay's got little money to spend on free agents. They're going to lose a number of their own popular and talented players. Several starters will not be back, and I think that's one reason Rodgers really felt it after this one, because this was a very close team. Much was reported about they all got along. It was the closest team Rodgers had played with, and he knows a lot of those guys are not going to be back. It'll be a different team. So, um I would say Rogers' frustrations in the postseason should mostly be pointed at the defense more often than, than the lack of weapons he has around him. I think the number one uh, ranked offense in the NFL had plenty of weapons to get to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and, of course, in the middle of that offensive line uh, is, is Corey Lindsley, and he's one of those guys. If he, if you could uh, you know, wave your magic wand, Dave Sinekin, and one of the guys that's eligible to leave does find a way to stay, would it be the center Corey Lindsley? Yeah, I would take Lindsley over Aaron Jones um, just because I think running backs, as talented as Aaron Jones is, uh, you can find really good running backs. And I think obviously they drafted one I in A.J. Dillon yeah. last year. Uh, Corey Lindsley was the best center in football this season. And, you know, Green Bay led a similarly talented center walk away four years ago in J.C. Treader, who's now the Browns center. And that's um, just not a position that they value enough or they want to pay a second contract but they know they've got to figure out right tackle, and they just paid their left tackle. And um, So my guess is he won't be back, but uh, to keep that line together, the strength of that offense behind uh, ahead of Rodgers was that line. Uh, I'd love to find a way to pay him. Hey, uh, Dave, I wanted to bring up basketball. You're an Indiana grad. I know you love your Hoosiers. Got one in Carver-Hawkeye, the rematch on Super Bowl Sunday, 11 o'clock. 
we were talking right before we came on the air here. You think the Hawks are going to take it there, and Hawkeye fans, they need some good news after last night's performance. <sighs> Uh, Green Bay, or Green Bay, <laughs> Indiana can't beat anybody at home right now. I mean, they've lost to Rutgers and Northwestern, and, wow, uh, Purdue, and I mean, you just you just name the team. They can't win at home, and you know, I, I think when teams play each other a second time, uh, when that revenge factor is there, I, look, Indiana let one get away the other night. They're frustrated, but uh, I look at a Hawkeye team that's kind of lost its weight. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. defensively, they've struggled. But uh, I don't see any issue with them coming into Assembly Hall and not taking care of business. Indiana's a mess right now. They've got players that uh, have faced discipline stuff, like Jerome Hunter, who missed the game the other night, is likely to miss Sunday's game. They're not getting much from their seniors and their upperclassmen. They've got some nice young talent, but uh, I think an angry, vengeful Hawkeye team should uh, should get paid on Sunday. Well, they've lost three out of the last four, and it started with your Hoosiers. Well, Dave, let's get okay. you on uh, record. Uh, what what what's going to happen on Sunday? Who wins the Super Bowl? I got to go with the Chiefs, uh, just for a lot of reasons. I just think you know Tampa Bay's defense is very good, but uh, Patrick Mahomes and that offense. When Andy Reid's got two weeks to put a game plan together, we know how good he is. Uh, I just don't see the Chiefs being derailed. I think keep it close, but it feels like uh, 30 to 28, 30 to 27. I, I can't believe the Chiefs won't take care of it. Dave, thanks with, uh, again for what you did for us this entire season. We'll talk to you in free agency when the schedule comes out leading up to the draft. The NFL never sleeps, seemingly. Thank you, Dave Sinek, and we sure appreciate what you do. My pleasure, guys. I look forward to it. Thanks, Dave. It's good to talk to you. Dave Sinek and theheadcheese.com. From the Packers to the Bears, to bearsblog.com. Turning into a gambling blog in a lot of ways. Hughes is firing <laughs> a little bit. How are you, Jeff Hughes? It's always been a gambling blog. My entire <laughs> Bears fandom and writing career has been one big gamble. Well, 8-8 uh, eight eight two years ago. They followed that up by, well, going 8-8 eight eight again this year. Um when you look back at the season, obviously the quarterback is the glaring, uh, you could probably start right there, but it just wasn't Trubisky or Foles when he was in there. The, the offensive line in the middle of the season was patchwork. The defense was not what we've come to expect in some areas. How would you recap what the Bears did in 2020? Yeah, the way I think of the 2020 season is pretty simple. They have the kind of roster that should be expected to go 7-9 and nine to 10-6 and six with the level of quarterback play they have. If they want to go above that mark, they need the quarterback to play really well, or they need the other units to be exemplary. They need a defense to be not top 10, but top 3. They need their offensive line and running game to dominate opponents, and that didn't happen until very late in the season. When you don't have the quarterback, when the quarterback can't carry your offense, You cannot expect your team to be any better than mediocrity, and they're only going to be mediocre if they have a good roster around them, which the Bears do. There's one question in the offseason. It's the quarterback spot. You know, We can argue the merits of the defense, how much older it is, if it's going to be in an elite level. It doesn't matter unless they figure out quarterback for both Nagy and for Pace. So what do you do here? I mean, is it about going all-in, trying to hit that home run with the Deshaun Watson, is that even plausible, or just going back to the what they've done in the past? Bring in a underwhelming free agent and hope for the best. Uh, it, it can't be the latter. They have mm-hmm. to, as an organization, commit this offseason to trying. Just trying. I can't guarantee they're going to pull it off. 
to hit the home run. You offer Houston whatever they want. That's how you start the conversation. If they say three ones in Roquan Smith, you pack up Roquan Smith's stuff, you drive him to Houston, you give them whatever they want. If they're not willing to make that deal, you start looking at who is going to make that deal. If it's if it's the Raiders in Vegas, you find out what they want for Derek Carr. Mm. Derek Carr is not great, but Derek Carr would be the best quarterback in Bears history. That's what we're dealing with here. If those two things don't happen, and you're starting to look at the Jimmy G's or the Carson Wentz's, those aren't long-term answers. Then we turn to draft day, and if, and if they identify someone in this draft, non-Trevor Lawrence, who they think is a franchise quarterback, all bets are off again. You move from 20, you give up whatever you have to, to to get the young quarterback in. This franchise has to be committed day in and day out to one thing, answering the quarterback question. It's been too long, and this is what I say about the defense. They're going to be fine, but you've got to stop building your franchise around defense and running games. This is not 1961 anymore. Hmm, interesting. Uh, of course, Mooney and Komet uh, uh, out of last year's draft, those two guys look as though they have a future. But what about some of the other pass catchers? Obviously, Robinson's going, there's going to be a decision made there. Cappy was on with us early in the week, David Kaplan. Uh, he brought up Anthony Miller's no uh, guarantee to come back, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Maybe he's underachieved, but I still think there's something there. Uh, the receivers next year, what does that group look like? I'd be, I'd be surprised if they don't franchise tag Allen Robinson. There really is no organizational reason not to. Uh, the price tag would be about $18 million. I know that won't make him happy, but no players like the franchise tag. The franchise tag exists. It's there for organizations to use. The Bears should use it. Anthony Miller has been a disappointment. Uh, there's no way around it. I, I think he is a long shot to make the roster next year. He would have to have a tremendous camp and show these guys he's turned a corner because the physical tools are there. But the mental tools have just not shown up yet. And until they do, I don't think they can rely on him to be a 50-catch guy a year, which is what they need from that spot. Tackle position offensively getting very old. Two guys that Leno and Macy are okay. But the interior of the offensive line, you feel good. You feel good about the depth that they have there. What about the tackle position? Not only the possibility of going out there and drafting a guy in the first couple of rounds at a tackle position, but... Possibly a cut? Is there something there? Is there any salary relief they could have cutting a couple, one or two of those veterans? Yeah, they could cut Charles Leno and save some money, and I, and I think that's something they'll consider. Uh, I, again, this, I, mean, I hate to keep wrapping around the conversation to the same thing, but if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Bears this past season, we're not talking about the tackle. Yeah. We're just not even, we're not even, Aaron Rodgers just played the NFC Championship game with a left tackle who, who is one of the, maybe the 40 best tackles yeah. in the league. You don't notice because he puts them in the right protections, he gets the ball out quick, and he goes to the right spots with it. And, again, until they solve the interior of the Bears line, we know they're good because without the quarterback, they still could run the ball. And there's good young talent there. Sam Mustafer was the find of the season, uh, in my mind, because he's going to be their center next year. But the tackles, until you've got a quarterback who sees the field, sees the defense, and gets them into the right protections consistently, we will not know how good these guys are. And they do not have that next. Trubisky and Foles, where, are they even part of this organization next year? Yeah, I think the team really likes Nick Foles. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a great team guy. He's a leader. And if they end up in that scenario where they're drafting a quarterback, he's a perfect sort of veteran bridge. Let him start six or eight games, see what's happening, bring the rookie in. 
I also think they're paying Nick Foles. You're not going to be able to uh, unload that salary. And we know Nick Foles is a heck of a backup quarterback. You know, he's come in and he's won for teams. So even if they were to land a guy like Carr, a Carr Foles room with sort of a mid-round pick added in is a really nice quarterback room. So I do not think Mitch Trubisky has any role in this organization moving forward. I think Matt Nagy is certainly done with him. Uh, I expect Mitch Trubisky to be a high-profile backup quarterback somewhere else in the league next year. How about Cordero Patterson? He's a free agent, right? He is yeah. a free agent. Yeah. We know about him as a kick returner. They tried to do some gadgety things with him, and I think the depth of the running back room also was a piece of that. You expect Montgomery's going to be out there, and Tariq Cohen will be coming back next season. Maybe not as many carries. Does he fit in the plans in your mind? They love they love Cordell. He, he, is, he is, I think, the best special teamer in the league. He's great on coverage as well as in the return game. Uh, he is by far the best kick returner in the league. Should he be involved in the offense here and there? It was all about Tariq Cohen. This offense fell off a cliff when Tariq Cohen went out because a lot of the gadget plays, a lot of the uh, mismatches are all derived from Tariq Cohen's uh, ability to do just about anything on the field. So I don't think you look at Cordero Patterson as a valuable entity on offense, but I know they're going to try to keep him because they love him in the locker room. He's a leader of this franchise, but you're not going to go out and pay him some crazy number to return 26 a year. It, it's not a, as valuable a position as it once was, but I do think they're going to go out of their way to try to keep it. Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, two first-round picks. You can have Deshaun Watson. You making that deal? Done. Who else you want? I mean, wow. honestly, until they solve this position, yeah. what is the point yeah. of everything else? You know, you go give them two first. You want Jalen? You want Cole Komet? You want Darnell Mooney? You pass them up and you say, here. When we get the quarterback at 26 years old next season, we've got him for a decade. So you blow off a season or two. You're still building a franchise. And and the GM, Pace, has shown he's a very good mid-round drafter. That seems to be where his wheelhouse is. So you're saying to this, Sean, we're going to keep building you a roster. We're going to build you a defense, which you haven't had in Houston. And and we're going to show you how quickly you can win with the pieces around you. I've said this and people think I'm nuts. There is no price. There is no price that they would say to me that I would say no to. If they said we want your entire 21 draft and your entire 22 draft, (laughs) I'm saying here you go. Here's the basket of picks because until the Bears solve quarterback, what is the point of all this? Uh, Who wins the Super Bowl? I got Tampa. I got Tampa in a close one. I know I I just have a feeling about that dopey team, uh, and I want to have the feeling of knowing that the 2020 Chicago Bears beat the Super Bowl champion. There's something <laughs> I can take from that, from this season. I will argue at that point that we are the second-best team in the league. I will argue that, and people will mock me on Twitter. I, I just think I just think that Todd Bowles and that pass rush are going to be disruptive enough with, the, with, the, with some of those flaws in the offensive line now and the injuries for Kansas City. We've seen in, in these Super Bowls, the pass rush almost always wins. And I think that pass rush is going to be it's going to be a nightmare for the Chiefs to deal with. I think it's going to be a bunch of points, but I got it like 27, 24 bucks. Uh, thanks for what you did for us all season long. We'll talk to you throughout the offseason. Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com. Thank you, Jeff. Enjoy Sunday's game. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. All right, we've done the Packers. We've done the Bears. Now let's get to the Vikings. Dane Mizzitani, uh covers them for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Dane Trenton, Ken in Des Moines. Thank you for coming on, Dane. How are you, first of all? 
Good. How are you guys doing? doing? Well, appreciate uh, you spending a few minutes with us here. So let's start with Kirk Cousins. Is there anything to these rumors uh, that seem to be percolating? And it is the time of the year, after all. The Garoppolo, I uh, mean, might not be long for San Francisco, and boy, they've got their eye on Kirk Cousins. What's the likelihood of that happening? That Cousins isn't the quarterback in Minneapolis uh, when the season starts in September? Um. Yeah, I, I guess these rumors are always interesting um, when they come up, and, and you're right. They come up seemingly in this little dead area between, you know, the NFC, AFC championship game and the Super Bowl. There's, like, people who just want to talk about something. I think there is some substantial, you know, truth to these rumors. I, I think uh, everyone knows Kyle Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. So that's where you start. And I think when you when you look at what, what it would take to get Kirk Cousins. If the Vikings can get a first-round pick somehow, pry a first-round pick away from, from San Francisco, I think they're going to pull the trigger on it. Now, do I think San Francisco is going to be willing to give up that first-round pick? Uh, no, I, I, I actually don't. So I, I, it's going to be tough. I don't think they're going to be able to strike a deal. I think this is something that's fun to talk about. It's something that's fun to you know, team-build around and in your head. Um, but when push comes to shove, I would be pretty surprised if Kirk Cousins wasn't the quarterback of the Vikings next year. Um, I think the Vikings are willing to deal him, but I don't think they're willing to just give him away. How about the offensive coordinator search as Gary Kubiak steps away from the game away? Again, very certainly guy that has a lot of confidence, I think, with that offense as a whole. And did I see that Kubiak's son is maybe, maybe. in the running for that job? Yeah, I would. I would think he's the front runner, to be really? honest. Um, yeah, and I just think that's because he was the quarterbacks coach last year, worked mm-hmm. hand in hand with Cousins every day. Um, so he has a good relationship with the guy who runs the offense. At the same time, you you listen to what Mike Zimmer said after the season, and he was so complimentary of his offense. Said it was the most explosive offense he's had since he's been here. Kind of hard to argue that because they put up just gaudy numbers all season. But they put up gaudy numbers while committing to the run game, and that's something Zimmer has wanted, you know, from the moment he stepped foot in the Twin Cities. He wants to establish the run first and foremost. He's an old school guy. You know, you look at the league; it's going quarterback heavy, and, and Zimmer wants to stick to the run. Well, Clint Kubiak knows the system, and obviously is his dad's son. And Gary was able to kind of meld the run and pass together in a way that I think Zimmer loved. So I don't think he's going to want to pull someone from outside the organization. We saw what he did three years ago when he pulled John DiFilippo from, from Philadelphia. And in those two, uh, Mike Zimmer and John DiFilippo clashed on, you know, systems and on, you know, game plans on just how he wants to run an offense and how the other guy wanted to run the offense. So I think Clint Kubiak is the front runner if for no other reason than he's a young kid who will listen to what Zimmer says in, in terms of doing the offense. And he has familiarity with that offense. So, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be something where I, I think it's going to be widespread and in, in, in where you're looking and searching for candidates. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to pull from their own backyard and, and just promote them within. Dane Muzatani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. This will be year number eight for Mike Zimmer. Uh, is, is the seat getting a little warm? I mean, does he have to? I think he's two and three in his career. Uh, that's his playoff record with the Vikings. How much pressure's on Zimmer heading into 2021? Is this a Fisher get, uh, cut bait year for him? 
I think so. Yeah, and like I'm surprised he made it this long. Okay. In, in terms of just you know, I I think Zimmer's a good coach, and I think the guys respond to him. I think the guys love him, and he's a hard nosed coach who does it his way. And I think this group of men buys into that and likes that. But at the end of the day, if you're the Wilts, the owners of the Vikings, like how often or how much longer are you willing to, you know, be this yo-yo football team that's good one year, bad the next year, good one year, bad the next year? They they missed the playoffs after every year they've made the playoffs since Zimmer has taken over. So there hasn't been consistency as far as being a contender on a regular basis. They you know they put together seasons here and there that are that are good, um, and. And Zimmer's certainly coached well in his time in the Twin Cities, but it hasn't been this consistent measure. And I think you're looking at this group, and I, I think the Wilfs and Rick Steelman and Mike Zimmer think that their window is still open, that they, this team can still win the Super Bowl. I personally think that window is closed. I think you mm. look at what you went all in with Kirk Cousins and it didn't work. I think your ceiling is a playoff team, not a Super Bowl team with Kirk Cousins. But, yeah, I think this is the year that Zimmer needs to, you know, make a big push. And if he doesn't make the playoffs next year, I think he's gone. Not a whole lot of room in the salary cap this year. Any maybe cuts that are going to be coming? And are they going to be active at all in the free agent market? It's going to be hard for them to be active Mm -hmm. in the free agent market because, like you said, they are pushed up against the cap right now. And if the cap goes down because of the pandemic and no fans, yeah, that puts the Vikings in even more of a precarious situation. So they're going to have to find ways to get money, and if, if for no other reason, just to pay the current players off the roster, not even to, to dip their toe into free agency. Um, I think the one natural place you look is Kyle Rudolph, and, and you know, cutting him would save about five million dollars. And he's been a good soldier for the Vikings for the, a decade. He's you know the longest tenured player on the Vikings. But you look at what he did last year and. Frankly, Irv Smith showed that he can do everything Kyle Rudolph can do. And you drafted Irv Smith in the second round last year, probably with the intentions of having him take over for Kyle Rudolph. So I think that's probably a natural place to look if you're the Vikings if you want to save some money. And granted, that's not going to make you be able to be big players in free agency, $5 million, but that's a place to start. And I think you know, similar to what you asked, would I be surprised if Cousins was the quarterback? No, because I think he will be. But I will be surprised if, if Kyle Rudolph is on the roster here, just because unless he's willing to take a pay cut, you can't pay a guy as much as he's going to make, you know, to, to nab 30 catches here and there and maybe a touchdown or two. Is there a guy on the defense? Last thing for you, Dane, before we get your prediction on the Super Bowl. Is there a big name on the defense, a fan favorite? I guess I'm looking at Harrison Smith. Um is there one guy on, de- on the defense that uh, that may not be there next year for that very reason that they're uh, that they are trying to cut some salary? Um, no, Harrison Smith. I, I think he's certainly going to be here. The only name I could think, and I, I don't think Anthony Harris will resign, but I think that's something that everyone's kind of assuming he he signed that. You know, they tagged him last year, and he had a down year. I think he's gone. Um, but a surprise name, I. I think you could maybe see the Vikings toying with the idea of letting Anthony Barr walk. Mm. Um, and he's a great player, but they were without him last year, and I think they missed him, but they didn't miss him as much as they missed Eric Kendricks when Eric Kendricks was out. I think Barr, as good as he is, if you give Wilson, if you extend Eric Wilson, 
you know, and sign him to a modest contract. He can do some of the things Anthony Barr can do. So if you're looking for money, you know, finding more money, maybe you, you consider cutting Anthony Barr. But at the same time, Mike Zimmer loves Anthony Barr. So it's, it's going to be tough. If, if Rick Spielman comes up to Mike Zimmer and says, hey, I want to cut Anthony Barr, I guarantee Mike Zimmer will go to bat for him. So it'll be interesting to see where, where it works out. Um, but that's maybe someone to, to keep an eye on as, as a potential surprise cut here. Dane, what do you think we're going to see Sunday, final game of the season, Super Bowl 55? Fireworks. <laughs> it's gonna, I think it's going to be, you know, offense galore, which I, I love. I know some people don't love the, the pinball football. They like to see defensive battle. I want to see points, man, and and I think we will. And prediction, I, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes right now. I know I know Tom Brady's the goat, but Patrick Mahomes is doing this. You know, he's at another level. He's doing things with the football, you know, in the pocket, outside of the pocket that that we haven't seen. Um, I love the guy. I just can't bet against him. He, he's so fun to watch. Um, I think it'll be a fun game. And, and what better matchup could we have? You know, the greatest of all time, yep. Tom Brady, against maybe someone who could flirt with being the greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I, I got Mahomes this weekend, but I think it's going to be an awesome game. Uh, we have 10 seconds left. Daniel Hunter, is he a Viking next year? Does he play football again? Yes. I, he'll he'll be there. Um, he might need a raise to play for the Vikings. Yep. But I, the Vikings are not letting him get away. Dane Musatani, you can read him at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Dane, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to you. As uh, we go around the regionals, of course, one of them still active, but the other three are. It's all about the off season now. Uh, Dave Sinekin on the Packers, Jeff Hughes on the Bears, and Dane Mazzatani on the Vikings. We'll come back, finish up hour number one. Iowa State conversation with Dave Sproul kicks off the eleven. Then Tom Cakert on Iowa. Then Claxons. Then our picks as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty KXNO and one zero. Thank you for supporting Food Bank of Iowa. Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes of the first hour of the program. Iowa State conversation to kick off hour number two, followed by Iowa with Tom Cakert. Um, Michigan, when do they get back? It's a great question. I do not have the answer it has to it. To, the two-week period has to be coming to an end. So the Big Ten leader is on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Now the Big 12 leader is on the sidelines. Yes. The Baylor Bears are going to miss a couple of games as they're dealing with their own issues. You know, it's so crazy, too, when these press releases come out. I think it was uh, Matt Norlander who said in his article this week, when the press release is really short, it leads you to assume it's really bad. Oh, really? Is that what yeah. the theory is? Okay. So uh, there was, I think it was New Mexico who is playing in Lubbock, Texas, yep, yep. because they're not allowed to play in New Mexico. And they were supposed to play against San Diego State this weekend. Back-to-back games they had scheduled. And the press release just said the games have been canceled. I mean, that there was mm-hmm. nothing about because of positive case, anything. Mm-hmm. It was just as simple as that. And it leads you to read between the lines. How are they? They're having, historically, New Mexico, really good basketball program. One of their worst seasons in program history. You know, is there more that's going on than just mm. a guy or two that has COVID? You kind of wonder about that. And if that's going to lead to some opt outs, are we going to see teams start here in the next week or two just to shut it down? Are we going to get to that point as we saw in college football happen towards the end of the year? Yeah, it's a fair question, Trent. Uh, we, we shall see. 
Um, is that carrot that you have out there with the conference tournament still enough? Because you don't have that, year. obviously, in college football. Yeah, not, not this year. By the way, college football, the Big Ten schedule is going to be released in an hour. Yes. I saw Sean Callahan in a funny tweet. For the third time since August, the Big Ten will release its football schedule. <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's wild, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, the 21 season, we will know. And Scott Dockerman has been all over this story. He anticipates uh, the schedule that we believe we were going to see is not going to be the case at all. So we'll find out in an hour as the Big Ten on the Big Ten Network, by the way. If you want to watch it on TV, um, they're going to do a, a, a show surrounding the release of the 21 schedule. Iowa-Indiana to kick it off. You think that's still going to happen? I hope so. I don't Iowa State the to. following week? Don't think that's happening. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we will hear from Dave, uh, Dave Sproul to kick off hour number two. Tom Caker, Claxon's Barbecue, as we take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.